You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. Apartheid hit squads are now very much in the news with the release of Ferdy Barnard. Ferdy Barnard will be released officially on the 2nd of April. His parole was announced last week. But let's talk about this a little bit more. When one looks at Ferdy Barnard, Ferdy Barnard isn't your common um, assassin from the apartheid assassin groups. If you look at how they were recruited, etc., the, the majority of them were military or ex-police members that were recruited into one of two units. The one was a police-run unit known as Flakplas. It was called C1 or C10, depending on the era. And then, of course, you had um, the CCB, the Civil Cooperation Bureau, of which Ferdy Barnard later became a member. But what a lot of people are unaware of is that prior to Ferdy Barnard becoming a member of the CCB, he had actually been on death row. Um, he and Jack de Clancy have been accused and then found guilty of the murder of Pat Pillay and one other and been sentenced to death. Um, when this man was released, he quickly found employment um, with his old masters within the South African police who had moved across to the, to the military unit known as the CCB, and he became a hitman. And what's, what's quite frightening is if one looks at the personality, if one reads the book that was written by Jacques Poe um, regarding um, – Ferdy Barnard and others, he comes across as a total psychopath. So is it right that we're releasing this man back into society? Is he a political prisoner? Was his aims political? One must never forget that he had been accused previously of murders, found guilty of those murders, which were unrelated to politics. Here is a man that supposedly enjoyed killing people. When one then looks at somebody like Janusz Wallace, Janusz Wallace is now free, uh, or rather not free, he's still in prison, yet his was a blatantly political act. Janusz Wallace and Clive Darby Lewis assassinated Chris Harney based on the fact that they believed that Chris Harney was a threat to South Africa and that uh, Chris Harney um, would bring about a communist regime um, should he stay alive. Yet Janusz Wallace stays imprisoned, and you have somebody like Clive Darby Lewis that was that was only released towards the very end because of his because of his health. You also at the same time have people from Apla who remain imprisoned and have not received any form of of political pardon, presidential pardon expungement of their sentences and release. So what is your opinion on Ferdy Barnard being released? You can SMS us on 34519. You can WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019. The biggest story this past weekend was the release by the presidency of the panel of investigation report into the state security agency. This particular report uh, had been requested by the organization Right to Know. They had sent a Paier request, and it was subsequently released on the presidency website on Saturday night. There's been a lot of development since then, and we joined on the line by the Right to Know organization's Tummy Nkosi. Tummy, welcome to the show. Um, welcome. Uh, thank you for having us on the show, and um, greetings to all the listeners. Tell me, um, your organization, the Right to Know organization, submitted a Paier request um, in terms of the promotion of access to information to have this report um, released. It now has been released, but it's been, it's been redacted. What is your organization's role in having this release? And why does your organization want to have reports such as this in the public domain? I think one of the key things is that um, historically we know that the spokes functions or the the, the secret, you know the um, intelligence services have always kind of functioned 
in a in a culture of impunity, really, um, very little is known budget that they use. Very little know is known about how they operate. And for us, that remains a problem in a democratic dispensation because we believe um, every other state organ should actually be held accountable, and people should know the happenings of every state, uh, you know, agency. Given that they utilizing, uh, so it's, it's of public interest to know. What is this animal that is called the state security agency? How does it operate? What does it do? How much uh, of the public purse's money do they use? So it was important for us to really kind of um, get this information into the public domain so that we are able to have a functional democracy where citizens um, can interact and, you know, and sort of uh, dialogue on issues around how the, the state functions. So tell me, let's talk about the report itself. Was it as startling as you expected it to be? Did it have the reaction that you were expecting from the public? Um, two, twofold. One is that there are some startling revelations or some startling you know, information that comes out of the report. For example, it details just how um, some, some agents within the state security agency were trained as personal um, VIP protection, you know, those are some of the details that we did not know. But in the main, we, we're not surprised at all. We feel actually that um, the, re- the report vindicates our position. People must remember, in as far as 2015, we had submitted a complaint with the Office of the Inspector General of Intelligence because we had suspected that um, we were actually being surveilled as the Right to Know campaign. We, we've had our website being uh, hacked. We've had our emails being hacked. So as a result, we, we knew that something, uh, there was an underhand going on here. So we were, we are not surprised at all, but we feel we are vindicated. And also the other issue is that people must remember that R2K was formed at the bedrock of actually opposing the secrecy bill that Zuma was actually trying to push into law. And one of the reasons is precisely for this reports to say had he won with the secrecy bill we would not be in a position to have the government being as transparent as they are with the state security uh, agency happenings and this report would not have seen the light of day so it's twofold one to say that we've been vindicated that in essence we've had rogue spy units that have been infiltrating civil society organizations and trying to dismantle them as uh, speaking truth to power. And on the other hand, it's a victory for us to simply say the secrecy bill in itself was a subversion from the rule of law and should be entirely scrapped, as the panel actually recommended. And I think that's a very important thing that people should remember, or that comes out of the report. The high part said the secrecy bill must be scrapped in its entirety. So for us, those are the two victories. And so, I think the other thing is that maybe the public wasn't, didn't have as much appetite on the subject matter, primarily because of the secrecy that surrounds our intelligence services and all sorts of things. But I think this is an opportune moment for us to be able to put such issues into the public discourse. And I'm hoping from here forth, we will engage with, you know, communities and civil society organizations and, and, and ordinary citizens about the level of surveillance, the level of you know, um, interference into people's personal information and how it's used and how the citizens. So, we, we, you know, I think this is a start of a conversation that would, would necessitate for us to hold the government accountable 
to some of how you know some of the breaking of the laws that they continue to engage in. Tell me finally, um, there's been another victory, and I'd like your viewpoint on that. And that victory was the fact that. Um, something that the ANC and the DA agreed on, one of the only things they agreed on, was keeping their funders secret. We now have a new act in place that will reveal who funds political parties. But unfortunately, it's too late for this particular election on the 8th of May. What are your views on this new act? Um, I think one of the two things um, with our partner organization, the My Vote Counts, we've actually just been studying all the development around the party funding bill. And one of our contention is that um, we, we we were a bit hopeful, given that we did not we did not have declaration of when the elections would take place and all sorts of things. So we've been playing a bargaining game to simply try and get the president to sign that into law as soon as possible. Now we know it's not going to happen. But what's the most important thing is that there is a push to simply say this law is necessary so that it, it you know it opens the gate to transparency to access to information for the public to know actually who funds who so that we know that public party public uh, political parties are not prone to any form of influence from any businesses multinational corporations or anybody else for that matter so that we avert a situation where we have state catcher and the role that Bosasa played in there right so we need to know exactly who funds the political parties and how much level of influence do these funders have on the political parties which is critical and key given that these are political parties that may have an opportunity to actually govern the country, as is the case with the ANC. So we know it may not be signed into law now, but what we're going to try and push is to make sure that some of the clauses that are there, for example, it says political parties don't have to declare who funds them, for example, um, if, it's, if the amount is below 100000 you know. So for our argument is that it may be disaggregated. So a funder may break these contributions into bits and pieces of 100,000, for example. And as a result, we are then in a precarious position because we are not necessarily able to follow through the money. So we're going to oppose some of the clause, you know, the contents of the clause to make sure that it is entirely, uh, and entirely, um, you know, if it's signed into law, then we can be able to hold political parties accountable and make this information known to the public. So we are following through with that, and we should we should be stern in our sense after the election to ensure that this does not fall by the wayside. You know, Tommy from Right to Know, thank you so much for joining us today, and good luck with your your future endeavours in making South Africa more transparent. We thank you so much, and we would like to actually condemn all the media houses that have given us an opportunity and actually being supportive to us. In, in fighting for a just and equitable world where the free flow of information and the protection of people's rights is realized. Thank you so much, my brother. Cheers, Tommy.